Hello, everybody. Welcome to this month's edition of the Game of the Month Club from Little Rock Games. I'm Brad, and this month we chose the game where the water tastes like wine to uh, play and review. Um, as I mentioned, I'm Brad, and I'm Tanner. I'm Olivia. I'm Robbie. And I am Joe. And again, we are Little Rock Games. Um, a little bit about the game this month. Uh, Where the Water Tastes Like Wine is a narrative adventure game uh, published by Good Shepherd Entertainment. The developers are Dim Bulb and Serenity Forge. Uh, the lead on this, I believe I'm pronouncing his name right. I hope I am. If I get it wrong, please forgive me. But um, Yonaman Nordhagen um, and then a slew of awesome writers and uh other talent worked on this. The, the, the list of the people who did writing and, and other assets for this is just too long to even go through, but they are all really fantastic. And we can talk a little bit more about a few of those as we get into it. Um, as always, we ask you to uh, play the game with us and uh, listen to our podcast. And when we're done, uh, leave your comments down below in our on our webpage or uh, uh Get back to us on Facebook and let us know what you thought of the game, because we hope you played it along with us this month. So I'm going to open it up. Um, where the water tastes like wine. What do you guys think? First thoughts? Super interesting. Yes. I was really... I mean, it obviously got some mixed reviews and the financial success was not what the developer hoped. Um and I was ready to be annoyed by all the usual mechanical things that annoy me. But despite its little ups and downs, both in terms of mechanical choices and some other things that didn't totally work, it was I was so hooked. Yes, me too. Hooked by tail after tail. It, it really was compelling. And one of, one of my takeaways from it was that regardless of any problem I had with like the pacing of the game or the how spread out everything was, which we can talk about as we get into details, I was still so compelled to want to keep collecting those stories. Um, and maybe I should just give a brief description. I, I uh, probably should have done this first. We always forget. We always forget it in the description. We jump right in. <laughs> no um, so you guys should be used to that by now. Um, maybe we so should just do it at the end. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> um, I will throw in the disclaimer now, now that you mention it, that uh, this is going to be crazy spoiler heavy, like all of our podcasts. So if you haven't played the game yet and you want to without any spoilers, go do that now. Pause it and in about seven days, come back and, <laughs> and continue listening to the podcast. We'll just wait while you. We'll wait. It. Yeah, we'll you go wait. ahead. We'll wait. No. Um, so the the idea of where the water tastes like wine is. Uh, you have been cursed by a devil, or maybe the devil, which is uh, voiced by Sting. Gordon Sumner. Gordon, Gordon Sumner, Sumner, the former law enforcement officer from <laughs> England, uh, whom everybody knows. Uh, also the man from Dune with yes. the cool... With the, the dagger. The, with the dagger and the cool underwear. I will Spiky. kill him. Yes, I would kill him. Um, <laughs> Yes, that Sting. He does voice talent in the very beginning of the game, um, which just blew me away. Um, and so you're cursed by this this devil. You know, you lose a card game to him, um, and he curses you to go walk across the lands collecting stories um, to to kind of redeem yourself or get your soul back is the promise, I believe. 
Uh, and so you're collecting these stories as you go across this beautiful map uh, with wonderful graphics in sort of Depression, Dust Bowl era America. And you walk from town to town, collect, going to these little events on the map to collect stories. And the stories happen to you, then they become the folklore of the country as you walk across. You meet all of these interesting characters, some of whom become these sort of archetypal uh, entities within the game. Um, and we'll talk about a little more of the things that get done and that you can do in the game as you go along, but that's sort of the gist of it. Okay, so now I'm going to open it up to everybody. <laughs> and you guys, tell me what you think. Joe, uh, yes. Uh, I can, yeah. Well, so let me just get out of the way um, a couple of technical issues. Um, just because there's so many great things to say about this game, yeah. particularly for us, I think, as a group who is fascinated by stories. Um, but it was clearly not optimized for my hardware setup. Um, I had it on fastest possible graphics. I had it on smallest screen and my fan ran nonstop and I had jittery graphics for a good chunk of the play. Mm -hmm. That, you know, just want to get that out of the way because it's un it was unfortunate and it definitely affected my ab ability to immerse myself there's also some like a uh, choppy aliasing with yeah the, the UI yeah. well i had to turn stuff. off the alias like yeah. i turned everything off and i still got that and so when you said beautiful map i thought oh i bet it must have been <laughs> for some people um and i could the, see the, the glitches, the the glitches notwithstanding yeah. the map was beautiful no mm -hmm. but so so i ended up sort of looking at a like a topo field a little bit. So that uh, was unfortunate because I, I could see, especially with the skybox, with the kind of beautiful yeah. effect they were trying to go for. You should borrow um, the laptop that I'm borrowing from you to play this game on because it worked I great should. on mine. <laughs> I should. Um, that's, that's interesting though because uh, even with like a full desktop, um, humble brag, it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, it even still struggled. Like it, yeah, it which had makes moments no where it would sense. Just dip. Yeah, because it's basically low poly. Rend like all of the models are low poly, so it might have to do with like the sheer like, um, it, and it might have to do with like the uh, viewing windows and like how much was being rendered at any given yeah. time. Like there might not have yeah. been much of a way, like any culling or anything. No, but so what? Mine kicked in. And I, we don't have to go very far down this road because there's so many other things to talk about. But mine actually kicked in when I would shift from map view into story, particularly into the stories that were the longer tales, the huh. ones that were associated with a specific character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. huh. I actually lost my cursor a few times. So it was wow. it was that much strain on the system that I went to like the Windows cursor. And then once that happened, oh, I was yeah. I was stuck in this like... That's so, so weird. Yeah, and so for a game that's so much about immersion, it was it was an unfortunate side effect. But mm -hmm. despite that, and despite yeah. not loving the some of the mechanics, I the stories are crazy interesting. Oh, so I that's my them. opening bit to throw I, out. I love them. So I'd also like to comment on so you said it's in Dust Bowl America. This is something that I was wanting to sort of get mm. everyone's like thoughts on. Yeah. And I think broadly you're right, but there's some anomalies yeah. Time in streams. there. Mm -hmm. Um like one of the characters is just like a hippie from yep. summer of sixty nine. Yeah. yeah. And Neil Cassidy's and, in it and he's from the late nineteen fifties. Yeah, and there's lots of little stuff like that. Yeah. Um and Timothy Leary, or not Timothy Leary, what's his name? The Jack Kerouac? No. Uh, uh, Dennis Lee. Who's the guy who, the, the Jim Jones is referenced in the. Oh. Oh. That, yeah, the Kool-Aid. Uh, that's, did yeah. you guys get to the, oh, yes. the micro bus? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so that's a Jim Jones oh, wow. reference. Yeah. Yeah. 
Did so? Did I let me that. ask this question, and I, I don't want to say too much because I've already talked a bunch. But did anybody else die in the game? I did. Yeah. yeah. I so you that. went back and talked to the wolf. Yep. Yeah. So he he answers questions about time streams if you oh. get if you die. Oh, I'm gonna go die on purpose. Yeah, now. me too. Now you can. So yeah. you can get a little more sting. You can. You get a cycle of stories to to tell him, mm-hmm. and every one you tell him, he he feeds back to you some information. Yeah. So I nice. told him the story about the microbus, and he was like, oh. Yeah, well, you know, time is kind of a, like he kind of talked about time oh, as this malleable cool. system. Oh, that's super yeah. interesting. And I died obviously by accident. Like <laughs> I got beat up by some railroad railroad bulls, and I was like, "Oh man!" And they're like, "You're dead!" And you wake up, and you're back at the wolf at the at the poker game. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing? Oh wow! Yeah, at the table, and he fixes himself a drink, I think, and then he comes and he'll answer questions before he sends you back. See, I only asked, or I only like told him like three stories, and the answers he gave were like they they seemed placeholderish. Uh, so I didn't go too far with it. Uh, you know, he would just sort of make like a vague comment. Oh, um, so I, I probably huh. just had bad luck. There's probably uh, just some little gems in there that are really, really yeah, good. yeah. Because I mean, think of how hard it would be to do for every single because there's of like them. 250 yeah, stories in the game. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, two thirty-four, which I only know because it's the same number of cards as Four. the basic Galactic <laughs> Sound Rules deck. <laughs> um, but yeah, but there's more than that though. Because one other really cool thing about the game—well, there's sort of more than that. Because um, for a couple different reasons. Because when you first encounter the stories, you can often change what happens in yeah. it by choosing this option or that option. Mm-hmm. And it'll completely change like the outcome or what type of story it is. Yeah. And then not only that, but as you tell the stories, you can find other people in the game that tell the story back to you yep. and they're different. Yes. So they change and some of them will have various tiers of, you know, yeah. of uh, like clarity. I can't remember how they call it, like being fully realized mm-hmm. or something. So, th- so there's a lot of just narrative content in this game. Yeah. I love that it, it if you look at it in a, in a bigger pulled out grand scheme of things that element of a story bu- building narrative by telling you a root of a story and then hearing that story again and it's changed yeah. and it changes in the telling and then it changes again in the telling that sort of spread out narrative building rather than I'm going from A and then I choose B or C and go down that path mm-hmm. uh, that that's all seems kind of connected that's the way m- most games build build the narrative of what you're playing. I, I just think it's the the way that it did it so largely and holistically uh, was was refreshing and, and, and very compelling. Yeah. I also think that goes a long way towards making the game feel uh, as big as it is, right? Like it does, like when you're playing it, feel like there's an entire country of people with stories and like yeah. all these things are happening. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think that has a lot to do with it, right? The way the the stories are are written and how they're paced out and how they can you know sort of evolve like that sort of feels like it's alive on its own. In some and ways. the guy mm-hmm. they got to do the voiceover for most of the stories was really really good. Too. Yeah, not Steve. So let's somebody else. No, you've seen the the main narrator. Yeah. yeah. So let's can we talk about voiceover for a bit? Because yes. for me it was hit and miss. Really. So I loved. Sting, obviously, as a 46-year-old man right. who grew up in the 19, late 70s and 80s. I'm a 
you know, you could have him read the newspaper. And we've I would, talked about Sting yeah. before in our other podcast, yes. haven't we? <laughs> I used to dream about him showing up at like my birthday party. Sure, so. yeah. with a bass. Um, so that was awesome. The main narrator, who's got a kind of um, who's the old guy from Tombstone? Yeah, I uh, can't remember, but I know it, that's yeah. exactly who I pictured. Yeah, from the anyway. So yeah, that guy's great. But I actually found a lot of the other voiceovers pretty kind of disappointing. Really? Yeah. It was based, especially the female voices who were voiced as, as essentially by the narrator felt really. Oh, yeah. Those were a bit It felt odd. pretty cheap okay. and off-putting to me. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, no. that was it. Okay. Yeah. So, well, first I will say that I didn't get a chance to play this game due to des- desktop issues. So I've only experienced this game through several different let's plays however i am uh possibly a little bit too obsessed with audiobooks and podcasts but especially audiobooks so i'm used to hearing male narrators doing female voices and i thought that was probably his his strong suit like i thought he did really he did he did fine at it i can see why it'd be off-putting but it didn't bother me that much yeah like you can't expect someone to become a different gender no 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 yeah he, he did fine at that part but i I did not like almost anybody's narration. And I actually liked Sting's. I thought he, I don't think he was necessarily the best out of everybody. The narrator's probably the best, but even he, it just felt like um, in a game where so much of it is dialogue and yeah. so much of it is having a text box being read to you. Yeah. He, he took so long. And I know that like, it's it's very well written, and he wants to like savor the words and stuff like that. But I, I so in in an audiobook app, you can speed up the text or the the the, the narration. Yeah, I desperately wanted to like have him talk at double speed. I can see how you would, but I actually liked that slow um, him going through and all all of the different characters going through at a at a nice uh, natural storytelling pace. Um, the the and that's another thing in a, in kind of a bigger picture way, the maps were really big. You spend a lot of time just slowly kind of creeping across step by step across the actual big bigness of America, and I could see how after hours and hours and hours, by the time you get to the West Coast and have gone through the South, how tiring that would be. But I really liked it. It was really quiet and comforting, and and a, I felt the pace was. Was definitely slow, but in a good way. Yeah, I but including the including the church. When I I was expecting to get really bored of walking around, like and how long it took to get from here to here, and how long and drawn out the narrative was. But I feel like that was sort of all part of like I feel like it made sense. Like yeah. when I, mm-hmm. once I like resigned myself to this is the pace of this experience, it totally didn't bother me. Like I felt like I was listening to like a poem almost, like in some of the narration. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't mind the pace. Mm-hmm. Although, again, I think there were some very like this is a problem I think sometimes with indie development. And, and he talks, what's his name again? Your uh, Nordhagen. Nordhagen talks in his sort of post mortem about the the financial failure of the mm-hmm. game. He talks about how much of it he had to take on because he had spent so much money on, mm-hmm. you know, Sting and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think part of the issue is that there's some really basic mechanical stuff, like so spending long periods of time having to, like, if you're going to whistle, for instance. Thanks for explaining that mechanic to me, by the way. <laughs> so holding down a shift key while navigating with 
arrows means you can no longer use the mouse, mm -hmm. but the mouse actually controls your forward point. Mm -hmm. So you actually have to constantly auto like correct with the buttons. So there were there were some little th and, and you know I, I there are so many things I love, but I think to be fair, there were some issues that that were easily fixable mm -hmm. that made that wandering less enjoyable for me because. Oh, I Definitely got to the point to where I had to learn to pace it to where I would whistle a note, move my mouse, yeah, and, then, exactly. and then whistle a note, and then move and my And that's mouth. so fixable. Yeah. He mentions that in his postmortem that uh, one of his mistakes was that he designed it with a controller. Yeah. Right. Even, yeah. Though, even though he was running it, it on a computer, he yeah, did it with sure. a controller. Definitely. And it even, like, I remember when I first started playing the game, it actually had, like, the controller controls. That's as right, the controls. in the corners yes. it shows yeah. the... So, it took, yeah. so, yeah, I just had to, like, figure out how to do the whistling mechanic and stuff. I never figured um, it out. I totally <laughs> forgot about that, yeah. I, <laughs> asked, I asked for help in the middle, and Tanner was kind enough to help me. Um, you were going to say, though. But going, so, real quick, just to go back to the narration, mm -hmm. eventually it, it became okay when I thought of it and there was probably a way to to frame this probably from the beginning on how to experience that the narration of the game when i started to think of it as um like a like a relative like a favorite relative sitting down and reading a book to me mm -hmm. then it seemed better because when so when you're listening to an audiobook it's sort of it's half that and also half a performance yeah and it didn't feel like really any of the narration was really being Performed, it was just sort of like, like a cold reading, basically. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, again, I mean, there, there was, there were so many things to like. I just, yeah, I feel like it's useful to talk through things that are especially fixable. Right. And I think for me, the issue was that that guy was picked, Sam, Sam Elliott is the yeah. guy I was thinking of. He was picked for that kind of Sam Elliott voice, which right. is a beautiful voice, mm -hmm. but. But you can't also, at the same time, then expect him to be someone like Jim Broadbent, who can do like the Winnie the Pooh stories and, and yeah, be yeah. all over the place. And so when you take someone who's so pure in one thing, and then I'm suddenly getting like a child's voice or a woman's voice, for me, it was just really jarring yeah. in a way that, you know, why not just read it? Yeah. You know, why not just read it with that beautiful... I can, anyway. I can kind of give him a pass on that because, as you said, your point about hearing a relative read it to you... Yeah. I think the fact that this is American folklore and it's read in a style that folklore would – I don't know if you guys ever went to the library when you were a kid and some older person would come in, a retired person would come in and read stories to you. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like to me. And they were often very American folklore stuff. Somebody – they might not even be reading them. They might be telling you the story of um, Epaminondas or one of those kinds of stories. I was from South Alabama, so I heard stories like that. Um, uh, and you 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 get where they do the voices, and they're there's I think there's something kind of charming about them, not all being Sting and not all being no uh, yeah kind of professional. I know um, I don't want to go. I, I'm going to yeah, keep yeah. hammering this point, but yeah, the, I think choosing someone who even was a little different than again that sort of Sam yeah. Elliott style yeah. for me that's like that's sort of quintessentially American that that voice. Mm -hmm. But asking it to do things then that it, it's not meant to do feels – it just feels like at cross purposes. Sure. Like if I'm imagining Sam Elliott in Tombstone being like, hey, let's read a story. <laughs> He's not going to do the voices. He's just going to be like, you're going to listen to my story because I'm awesome. And But it, it could have been though. You know what I mean? Like if that, if that – if the person with that voice was presented as a character and they are the sort of character that would act sure. it out. Yeah. And now – 
and then in the in the course of playing the game, now you're imagining this character doing sure. that voice. But instead, it's just sort of you're right, like this iconic voice, and yeah. all you're going to do is picture yeah. Sam Elliott. And you're not going to consider what sort of character he's playing because it's not defined as any sort of character. Yeah, I think so, that's yeah, part of it, too, yeah. for sure. Um, so we can move on now. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to. So um, you did mention something that I wanted to, to bring up, and that was the postmortem by uh, Nordhagen um, and other postmortems. Uh, uh, Tanner, uh, Olivia, and I went last weekend to the Pixel Pop Festival in St. Louis, and we were uh, showcasing their game that's coming out next year to the rescue. I'll put a nice plug in for that. <laughs> um, it's a, uh, a dog shelter simulator. You should look it up. Um, but That helps real dog shelters. It helps real dog shelters. Uh, but I'll let them talk to, about that in another podcast. Um, right across from uh, our table at Pixel Pop was um, Kevin Snow and uh, Priscilla Snow. Kevin was one of the writers on this uh, from Brave Mule. Uh, which was uh, his company that, that adds some of this in. Um, and we got to meet them, and I think you guys had already met them before. But uh, yeah. first of all, wonderful, fantastic people. I wish that they lived in my town because they're the kind of people that I want to they're, – they're, uh, they're just like us. They're, they're, they're great, fantastic people. Um, but I, I say that, that uh, Kevin did another postmortem. Emily Short, who is one of the, mm-hmm. uh, I think, the, one of the best writers of, of the, yep. the, the set of these. Um, and again, a multitude of writers. A lot of these guys have done a postmortem that is definitely worth a read. And when I post this on the website, I will put links to those down in the uh, below in the comment thingy or in the, you know, the, the block of the words. Um, oh, I'm also going to uh, put in a link to the soundtrack. You can get the whole entire soundtrack from uh, Bandcamp. And that's another thing that I want to talk about is I I, I really enjoyed the music. Mm-hmm. Um, it was both, uh, in my opinion, really well done, but also just amateurish enough uh, that it wasn't polished professional. It felt like... Feels like you who you hear at like the the county fair, yes. Yeah, like, but like in a really very good. Fun I really love that. It was <laughs> that. <laughs> if, yeah. if you sent someone back in time with a rec- like a yeah. tape recorder, mm-hmm. I would believe like, oh, that's yes, yeah. that's what's in this um, game. The, the and the cool thing about it too is that it changes based on where you are. Yeah, yeah. as you change yeah. regions. Yeah, I don't think we mentioned that the map is actually divided not only by states but also by region. Mm-hmm. So you get the northeast, the. I can't remember all of them, but There's a the standard sort of regions. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I will say that I have to just say that I feel like the music to me felt like 2% how a European imagines American music. No, so, <laughs> not a lot, just a little. There's a little bit of that, like, you know, this is how I imagine the, the Dust Bowl sort of experience. Right. Um, tiny bit, very small. But I agree with you. I um, At least for the first three or four hours I felt like the music was I was right in sync with it it got a tiny bit repetitive over time but sure well, but it's yeah like hours I mean, it's, long yeah I mean there's the only thing. yeah I, I did like that it does change um, I was just playing it last night and there's that one kind of banjo picky song with the female vocalist well I'm gonna Mm. Yeah, hit, you know, to hit the road or do uh, I don't know the lyrics. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're I'll sing so it. Close. You know what I mean. And and I went somewhere and found a sad story, and it it transitioned out of that song into the sad version of that song, the the sort of southern picky version of yeah. that song, while I was doing, and it was it was 
just a little magic. Just that little nice. transition was a magical experience. So yeah. yeah. Another slight uh, thing about the whistling, though. So the whistling is actually a really immersive mechanic. So, I mean, I know we mentioned it a little bit, and essentially what you can do is you can whistle in the game to walk faster. It's just a way to sort of help you, you know, up the pace just a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a little rhythm game that's, like, layered on top while you're walking. And the songs you whistle are nice, but the volume is such that it totally drowns out the background mm -hmm. music in the game. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so it's something, like, I, I enjoyed the mechanic. It, it felt thematic, and I, like, yeah. I mm -hmm. the whole time, like, it, it did a lot in terms of immersion, but I was so frustrated because I wanted to, like, because the soundtrack is yeah. awesome. And it totally drowned it. And, and, but the cool thing was is that it's, like, in tune with the it music. It is, yeah. The chord, but the, the key is the same. Yeah. So. No, I, I felt that, too. The, um, yeah, it's so funny. And this is, I think, part of what, because I... The the uh, the postmortem I read was part of a larger article from a, a somebody who had reviewed the game and then talked about their review in the context of the game not doing well and mm. I I felt some of that like same like there's some things that are so beautiful and so right and then there's some other things and I'm just like why can't you also be beautiful and right and that's hard right mm -hmm. it's hard when you want especially when you want it to be perfect mm -hmm. um, and so. But it would be cool to talk about the, specifically about the writing a little bit yes. because man, some of the writing is just exquisite, right? It really is. Absolutely, um, it really. I think that and that coupled with um, a little bit with the music, but also with that sort of uh, etch, etching or, or, or graphic style, the art style, the yeah, art which style is fantastic. Every as well. about cards. the game feels like Americana, yes, right? in so a positive yeah, way. Yeah, right? yeah. It's one of the only Not times I, I feel all. like yeah. it totally felt earnest, mm -hmm. and every little element of it was just like really well put together. The the, the writings, even though even though there were so many uh, writers, it didn't feel like they were all working on mm -hmm. their own little patch of the quilt necessarily. Yeah. It totally blended together. That's one thing that, so in our second episode, season one, when we reviewed Nantucket, you guys will all remember that that was one of the biggest criticisms that we gave to Nantucket was that, uh, and, and this was Joe's criticism, that it's such an easy thing to add more content. Why didn't they give us more of these little instances, yeah. even in a tiny way? This game blows that out of the water yeah. on such an enormous level, especially for an ostensibly such a small game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a big game. It's not a small game, but mm -hmm. it, it, uh, it, it, it's a big game that feels small. Yeah, yeah. If I had to guess, it's like probably 20 hours to fully complete it or so. I I got like 13 hours-ish in. Yeah. yeah, Kevin said it took him about 18 hours. 18, so, yeah, that yeah. feels about right. Um, mm -hmm. So, and I mean, that's, that's a long time to spend in one space. And yeah. so... Uh, yeah, and that's a lot of content that had to have been, you know, to fill up that space. And they, and I, like you said, it is it's exquisite, and uh, the and not just by video game standards. I yeah, mean, yeah, this right. is not just yeah, like yeah. this is good video game writing. I was thinking like there are elements of this, especially early on when it was new, mm -hmm. and I was sort of experiencing parts of it for the first time. Mm -hmm. I thought, man, this is like. I just want it all to be like I this. Want, I yeah. want more of it. I want all my experiences yes. to be like this, yes. not just my gaming experiences. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I felt the exact same. It gave me that really nice hook to the heart muscle that yeah. I was not. I mean, I guess I was kind of expecting, but at the same time, when it happened, I thought, "Oh man!" This I think is it awesome. happened. Well, I actually expected going into it that they would be um, 
they they would rely a lot on more familiar stories, so like Babe and the Blue Ox and uh, the Jersey Devil, and which they're in there, yeah, right. But but <laughs> as I, are the the Memphis Peabody Motel Hotel yep, Ducks, the Ducks, oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. um, but but they 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 went so far out of that. I I expected almost all of them to to just read like a sure. a pretty easy who's who of. Right. Of your your uh, seventh grade Johnny Appleseed, yeah, Paul all of Lanyan. those guys, um, yeah, and I was so, so glad that it was all yeah. these little bitty stories about like the two brothers who looked for each other for fifty years, yeah, and the, that was one just, of my favorite. I loved all of those, yeah. and I yeah. loved the little details. The spooky stories were just the right about amount of spooky. The magical stories were just the right about uh, right amount of magic, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, exquisite's a good yeah. word. So, and it, oh, sorry, go ahead. So one thing that I I was sort of torn about in the game in regards to the stories themselves. So there's a combination of like really mundane things that happen that eventually evolve into something yeah. out of proportion after you tell it a few times. Mm-hmm. But then there's some things that happen that are actually these crazy surreal things yeah. that you encounter. And it was interesting because I don't know if like. Because it almost felt like those things didn't need to evolve to be bigger right. stories. So it was that that combination was interesting, and I don't know how I quite feel about that. I almost feel like it would be more interesting if they were all just like things, like normal things that happened yeah. that got turned mm-hmm. into these. Yeah, mm-hmm. stories. yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's a good but point. I do. It, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Tim. Uh, I was just gonna say I do. I do like that um, those fantastical elements were in there, though, mm-hmm. because it it kept it feeling like. That was a real aspect of the world, right? Like mm-hmm. that there, there were fantastical right. and unexplained mm-hmm. things. And so when your stories evolve into those, that it's not unplausible. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's sort of everybody has yeah. that little little nugget of... I think that, that that gave it this sort of really interesting combination of like a Steinbeck Grapes of Wrath uh, mm-hmm. a thing un- underneath it, but a... Uh, magical realism of uh, Gabriel well, Garcia like, Marquez or even the top. Oh, brother, where art thou? Uh, very much or, like Oh, brother, where art fish. thou? Big fish. I mean, those are those are um, and even, film examples, but and it even even going outside of the realm of the the Dust Bowl stuff, like you said earlier, it 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 brought it into the Timothy Leary and the slightly psychedelic, and it it mixed those all such yeah. a and the beat poem. nice subtle, yeah. it, very much a, it felt like a beat yeah journey. Which to be fair, though, I was this is. A sort of personal disappointment, but I was kind of bummed out that Bob Dylan didn't make it in, right? Because if you're gonna, I mean, I assume I only got to 13 of the 16 characters, so I guess it's possible I he was all hiding. 16 of them. Yeah, but he seems like such a perfect. He might be a, a proprietary property. <laughs> he might have been. Yes, that's true. Sting, Sting might have been easier to get than, than yeah, Bob maybe Dylan. so. Uh, but I mean, that's you know, that's just a. That's just a one-off, but um, (laughs) I would have preferred him to Neil Cassidy, actually. But um, Mm. but can so yeah. So the narrative, man, is so good. Um, But it'd be cool. I also want to talk a little bit about how some of the mechanics I found. Did you guys? Did you guys do well? Let me ask this. I'll just ask a question. Did you do well at the picking stories based on when someone said, "Oh, tell me a funny story," or "Tell me a sad story," or "Tell me." I I actually had a lot of trouble because I interpreted some story. I was like, oh, that was pretty funny. And then I would tell somebody that and they're like, yeah, that's the saddest story. <laughs> Why would you tell me that story? <laughs> it's like, um, or that, like, that's a fantastical one. And they're like, no, that's a lie. You my should. main limitation where I, where I buttered up against that mostly was that I just didn't have enough of a good story to fit that slot for them. So I tried to kind of mm-hmm. – so it would be I was telling the funny parts of Quinn's story. 
or I was telling mm-hmm. the sad parts of uh, of the war guy who lost his brother in the war. Mur- Murphy? No. I don't remember. Ca- uh, shoot. I can't remember the name right now. Yeah, so just to quickly explain, um, there's a mechanic where you um, you meet new characters, and the way that you can hear more of their... The, the wolf, who is the Sting character, Devil, at the beginning, basically says that some stories are true, but you have to draw them out of people. And so when you meet more complex, sort of more in-depth characters, you have to tell them some stories that you've heard to get them to open up about the truth of their experience. The problem for me was that I I just, I don't know if I couldn't catalog, because part of it, right, is that you're supposed to learn these stories and know them, and then sort of, I guess, remember that's a funny story, that's a sad yeah. story. Mm-hmm. But they, they there were so many of them, and they came so quickly. I mean, a couple hours in, I had, you know, 80 stories to work with. Yeah. And I just, even, like, I'd be like, one or two I could remember always, that's an exciting story, that's a sad story. But there were definitely a bunch where I was just like, I'm not sure what kind of story that is. Yeah, and I got to where I would just uh, use them just to figure out what type of story they were because sometimes they'll give you hints yeah, they about will. what yep. it was They would say, oh, that's to be. sad. Because, yeah. yeah, there were a few that I was like, no, that is clearly a funny story. <laughs> I know. Like, how do you not think this is funny? <laughs> yeah. So I, I know also that different characters will consider different stories to be funny or sad or, or whatever. They like, will? They'll, they'll oh, have, yeah, they'll man, have. They'll harsh. Have, so I had no idea that was I true. Know that was so I listened, brilliant. Yeah, I, so I listened to or I listened to. I watched three different let's plays of the game, and two of them were absolutely terrible at it. And like I was shouting, like, <laughs> "Why are you choosing?" Like I was so mad. But the, the, the third one that I saw, um, he he gushed over and over in, in each of his videos about how much he loves narrative games and how like he just like really and like it seemed like this game was just made for him. Yeah. And I got along, I got along, I never talked to him, but I got along really well with him because uh, I would be like, you don't choose that one. And then he'd be like, no, but I don't think he would like this story. And so he would move on to another one and he, and he was really good at choosing stuff. Ah, and so I do think that, that wow. that's, but that's, that's another, that's another aspect of the game that I think could have been workshopped a little bit because it's a little bit like old, like old point and click adventures where there's like a puzzle yeah. and you just have to like think like the developer to yeah. figure out the yeah. puzzle. So I I went through a period where I was convinced that the color of the icon was indicative of it, and uh, it's absolutely not. Right. And I went through periods of thinking that their like category was somehow influenced, but yeah. it also is absolutely. You mean not. like the, the the tarot card that didn't yeah. match? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely not yeah. relevant at all. That's I was and, working on that for a while too, and it yeah. didn't seem um, because right. like I had a few. Like, there's one of my go to uh, happy stories was actually in the sorrow category. Yeah. So, um, yeah, although the categories do reflect the content. Yeah, it's it's relevant mm-hmm. yeah. because it, it that influences what sort of stories they tell you yeah. about themselves. Yeah. Because the love stories, like the love for lovers, so that's mm-hmm. a tarot card, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my the story, I always only be able to get two stories in that category forever. Really? Yeah, I got the the one about the um, people who are separated by unemployment yep. in New York City. And I got another one where I, I, I actually I got to got kiss somebody yeah. outside. Did anybody else get to kiss I got someone? That one. I, didn't yes. I actually got to kiss. It was a girl. Just some random girl. Yeah. And so there's that like, ended there's up, like an eclipse. Right? Yeah, we kissed outside in the oh, eclipse. Wow, I want to go to home yeah. and do that one right and now. So, <laughs> so those, I know. Um, but Delightful. so, yeah. So anyway, I, I, I found. Some other good ones. And I think part of, this is something I, I could save for the final comments, but I'll just say it now. I think part of what this really shows me, though, is how incredibly difficult it is to make a, 
a really good narrative game experience, right? To blend mechanics. Yeah. And, and for us, having just spent the last, you know, 15 months trying to do this in a tabletop version, it's, it's hard to get that balance where the mechanics are serving the narrative and the narrative's folding back on the mechanics and, yeah. and everything. And I feel like this, like with a few tweaks, this would do it so well. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I still though, I think it does it a whole lot better than most oh, games yeah, that yeah, purport yeah. to be yeah. narrative. The thing that typically gets me, and we saw some of these, and, and this is not at all a criticism for the ones that we saw at Pixel Pop, um, but what I typically see out of something that's labeled a narrative game, yeah. um, it's it's really just a narrative walkthrough of, or a walkthrough of someone's very specific narrative that might have a couple of choices, yeah. but it doesn't have what you just said, that underlying mechanic that ties to yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think this game does it no, it does pretty really much better well. than it anyone does, I've yeah. ever seen. And in fact, I mean, that would be my one of my biggest praises for it is that it's experimenting with mechanical use of narrative in ways that mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen before. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd um, say at worst, this game is innovative. Yeah. Right? So. No, absolutely. And, and it brought me back to some of the stuff that... Um, the Fallen London people did with their what's it called Story Nexus. Mm-hmm. So they remember they oh, yeah. you guys they licensed out mm-hmm. Story Nexus and you could do like I guess it, in theory it still exists. Yeah. It does. But um, but some of the things I played through on Story Nexus that weren't even Fallen London, I was I was so amazed with the ways they were experimenting with with what they were calling storylets, which are these again these small chunks of narrative that have a mechanical effect. Mm-hmm. And I think this game is getting back at some of that, but I still think there's more to kind of mine from from the way the the fallen London people do it to bring in yeah. for this kind of experience. But. And it's interesting too because um, the lead developer before this he worked on Gone Home. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. um, so the, and that's a little bit more of like your typical like narrative game. And then he goes on to work on this like amazingly like an awesome thing. So yeah, I actually sort of object to a lot of the 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 stuff online that talks about how this is like a like a failed game. Because yes. it's not like yeah. every everybody. I, I read this in an article, but everybody that worked on the game got paid. The like no, the developer no, he didn't make a profit from it. But it's not like there's a bunch of people with like pitchforks. <laughs> yeah. that are like, I'm, oh, how come? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm really glad you brought that up because yeah. it's been kind of I've, I've been wanting to to get to that in his uh, post mortem of the game, um, and he even says this in the revised uh, top. Matter, uh, front matter kind of of the of his post on Medium, um, that he when he wrote when he initially wrote that post mortem he wrote it uh, very quickly after it it didn't just explode and become yeah, a huge it was success. like one month and he was very very critical of it. Um, I don't see this game as a failure at all. I mean, there is you could call it that it wasn't such a big commercial success for what was put into it, um, and I get that, and I totally get all of his later writings about sort of the state of game design, game development and the pay model for it and the attitudes about that pay model. That's a, I think his, his observations about that and his experiences about that are very valuable, but I don't think this is a failure of a game at all. And all the places I did, I saw exactly what you're talking about. If you Google search this game, the top things that come up is about uh, polygon and everybody else talking about a huge failure I don't think so at all. I think this was just no. a wonderfully wonderful uh, piece of work. Yeah, and like it, Olivia said before, it's it's the, the innovations are, are yeah. what, what to take away from it. I stole your moment there. There's going to be there's in in two years. There's going to be many games coming out where the developers will have a blog post saying my major influence was yes. yeah. this game. 
and and hopefully they'll iron out some of the because yeah. I also keep comparing it to something like um, uh, what's it called Night in the Woods, mm-hmm. right? Which also in, you could argue is a narrative game. It doesn't it doesn't look very different than this, but I think it's a much more polished game, and so. In some ways, I think that's a testament to why it was like, so I I think it's dangerous also to say, well, people just don't like narrative or people just didn't get it or people, I think there are some issues that make it less accessible Mm -hmm. to people who might really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And that lack of accessibility is, is what's preventing it from, because Night in the Woods, you know, it had a different art style and it was doing some different stuff, but it was also trying to experiment with how narrative can can operate in, in a, an environment. So, but when you do something new, that's yeah. always going to happen. Yeah. Like, like when I go back and I play some of the early like 3d games that at the time everyone was like, Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> but you go back yeah. now and you're like, wow, they really didn't care about <laughs> user experience exactly. at all. <laughs> but, but you, no one knew any better. No, I know. You know what I mean? That's... But, but at the time you could say like, right. this is a little frustrating, but it's 3d. So it's no, cool. Totally, yep. Yeah. And that's kind of what's happening here. You know that we all think we know about about narrative, so maybe that's why it's yeah. easy for people to like pick at things. But no, you're he's right. doing lots of innovative yeah, stuff. And right. Yeah, he 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 missed the mark on a few things, but that's because yeah. no one else is trying. No, I know. <laughs> and you reminded me too that. Um, sorry, I know I'm talking a lot. No, but, go for it. Um, you reminded me too of the the year that um, very specifically I remember the year that FIFA switched from 2D rendering to 3D rendering, the uh-huh. very first year, <laughs> which I want to say was maybe '98. But it might have been 99. Anyway, the point of this is that I was so mad because I was like, this is so much uglier and crappier. Like, who would make this change? And, you know, each of the soccer players had like 12 polygons. And you're like, okay, I guess that's going to work. And it took about four years before before it took... Get caught up, and then I was like, "How could I ever play the the other one?" Okay, yeah. So you're you're totally right. So my favorite game series is Pokemon. I think I've referenced that on the podcast before. I'm wearing a Pokemon hat for the and shirt. shirt. And sh- oh yeah, and shirt and <laughs> underwear. I assume <laughs> socks. Yeah, whole thing. Um, but uh, when so you know it was a 2D game for the longest time. They switched to 3D, and that first game with 3D that I love. This hat is from that game. Um, you know, it it was it was slow and it was choppy and like the frame rate dropped when you were in a battle and I and like I was mad too like I still played it like a lot <laughs> but you know but that's because they they had to transition to do something new yeah. and there's just there's growing pains yeah that always yeah, happens absolutely. and I think that's what's happening here too yep. he branched out tried something new but in the future you know there's been there's been two different games in the 3D style in Pokemon now and they've mostly ironed that out. And I think the, his next game is going to be really great, and everybody that is influenced by it is also. Yeah, great. I think not only is his next game going to be great, and I like the hopeful, uh, <laughs> the hopeful attitude that you have there, but I I, I take uh, I, I think it's hopeful that um, they're still developing content for this, mm-hmm. right? Not bring they, that up they, too. they just recently released some just a, a few months ago, right? Something like that. They just released uh, like more they, stories. They added fifteen more stories, and they added. Um, Fast traveling, and they added auto walking and, and stuff. And I think I think little because things like that. Because people were complaining about the pacing, yeah. so they added more yeah. ways to. So the fact that they're fixing some of these mechanical issues yeah. that you're talking about, but they're also adding. I, I I really genuinely hope. I would love to see this game, even over the course of years, just keep adding mm-hmm. a little bit of content yeah. and a, another story and another connection and mm-hmm. another main character yeah. archetypal character, so that you know a few years from now 
you're able to play this game and it's almost like a library, an Americana library in itself. Yeah. Yeah. That would be just brilliant. Totally. And I would love to keep going back to that. the game could be like a, a platform for other people to sh- share their yeah, stories. Yeah, basically. and yeah, almost ha- take on a living, yeah. a, a living yeah. element. I just want to say that I'm upset that there's only one story in Arkansas. It's true. And it's people telling you to get out because you're foreign. <laughs> I know. I actually, I walked to Little Rock and I was like, wait, there's, where there's is no it? Little Rock. Yeah, that was the, that really was the real most... low point for when me. When I was talking yeah. to Kevin at Pixel Pop, he mentioned that he wanted to put a lot of this that area in it. Uh, and he was brought, more broadly talking about the Ozarks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wonder if there's if he's wanting to put more of those stories in or if... Could it be that you missed stories in Arkansas? I don't know. Did you, yeah. Did you find more than one? No, I. Uh, it's not very big on the yeah, map. Yeah, you can see not, it from and the river. Is not quite the fidelity of the geography. <laughs> <laughs> but those, yeah, are, okay. those are things I got over very quickly. Yeah. Um, but I, I really, I like the way you just framed all of that because I really do think of this like because this problem of how narrative can function in relation to games. Obviously, we've talked about it a bunch on the podcast. And how important stories are to the functioning of, of most major video games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually, I like so many things that are happening in here. And, and so for me, a good metaphor might be something like, if you sort of imagine there's like a wall of rock, right? And each of these things like this is hitting that wall mm-hmm. and knocking a little spot out of it. Eventually, it'll come down and, and we'll have this way of dealing with it that'll be really satisfying. Yeah. It's just that each one is not quite... Yeah, you know, it's like f- working with the technology and the medium and not quite finding the way to get there, but and I mean, but I would, doing so much more than anything before it has done. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would say that, like, as far as the way the narrative mechanics are implemented, I would say, in general, that's pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, I think the most, like, glaring issues for me were, were all the sort of supporting features, uh, like turning the camera was was really obnoxious, like turning around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, especially with the auto-walk feature, if you missed a town... It is hard to turn around. I yeah. felt, it felt like you're turning like a semi-truck. Right. I was really uh, skipping. Right. It's a mouse skipper thing yeah, where, you gotta, where you're doing now, this. Let me, yeah. Can I just ask, is there a way to get out of cars once you're in them? You just have to wait till they kick you Yeah, out. I know. That's, that I was like, come on, there's a there's town a right there. <laughs> this is my Like, Did you lock the door? Let me <laughs> out of the car. Yeah, so there's lots of, and stuff like, I feel like hitchhiking only worked like, 20% of 25, the time. 25, maybe, yeah. Um, and there's lots of little stuff yeah. like that. So, I, I agree. So I feel like the narrative mechanics of having to categorize these stories and pick which ones you brought with you, the mm-hmm. matching, like t- figuring out the what tone and, it yep, was, yep. was sort of tough, but I don't feel like it ultimately affected the experience the, that much. The only critique I have like as far as narrative mechanics go is how each archetypical character has a distinct preference for like three kinds of stories. Yeah. So I was frequently sort of taken out of telling him stories because I would run out um, after they asked for like four funny stories in a row and I only have two. Um, And so then I'm just clicking on stuff just to like get through the conversation. Yeah. We can get through the morning. I I never did that because I I was like uncertain of how it would work. Like I didn't want to lose progress. Yeah. Uh, And I was like, well, maybe, maybe he'll ask for something different. So that was like the only place that that really uh, sort of came apart for me. Um, But it does come back to, to Robbie's point, right? So if like you and I have both played fallout Mm -hmm. recently, right? Not, not fallout three, not fallout (laughs) four, fallout. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, I, I loved especially fallout two. And, and now I'm just like, man, don't you guys know anything about how <laughs> how interfaces work? Yeah. And so 
but at that time, yeah, it was like, <laughs> this is amazing how that you guys have done this. And, and so I think you're absolutely right that sort of ironing some of that out. I, and I suppose the one regret would be those are things that already have been ironed out. And so it's yeah. just a shame that they didn't, they didn't make their way in. Yeah, that's um, sort of what I'm getting at. The experimental stuff seems to work really well. It's the basic UX stuff of like performance issues, uh, the controls, like remapping it so that the game tells you what the controls are on different platforms. Yeah, and I actually um, wish I had tried it out with a controller because yeah. now I'm mm-hmm. like I, I might have totally fixed half of these issues. Yep. Yeah. So those are all like solved that's true. issues. Yeah, right. like that's yeah. that's something that you can you can really get right. And he doesn't uh, have the excuse of saying like, "Well, it's my first game." Like he was the only programmer for Gone Home. Like mm-hmm. he's made a game before. Yeah, which didn't have any of those issues right. when I played it. Uh, so. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely right. Um, I want to jump in uh, something you were talking about just a second ago about the how the symbols on the cards uh, didn't necessarily match with a, with a, uh, a, an emotion or, or a genre that they were trying to pull out. Uh, early on in the game, I was I couldn't figure out what stories to tell them when. So I went online and I was trying to find what you always do in a game like this is show me the cheat sheet for <laughs> I want to see what all the symbols are and what all the symbols uh, correspond to story-wise and and then I want a list of all the stories and what category they fall into I wasn't able to find that anywhere and I actually it was frustrating at the time but I think that that speaks volumes to um, the, the the overall the bigger mood that is created yeah. by by not knowing those and not being able to just dial them in every time and and as frustrating as it might have been uh, when I was wanting to make the right choices and 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 you know Uber the game a little bit, I think it works really well for. Because you can always just go and find them again yeah. further down the road, yeah. right? Yeah. And to be fair, like so, they, there's some discussion again. If you, I don't know if it was the wolf or something else. Maybe the crow taught me that. You know, you, you need to redistribute your stories, which I, it took me a while to figure out. Oh, I forgot about the to, crow. Yeah. yeah, so the crow offered little, and there was also a whippoorwill. Did the you guys three, get the whippoorwill? Yeah. The three, the three whippoorwills. whippoorwills, yeah. Um, but so there's an interesting problem, actually, in the, in the story distribution that I, I still now don't have a good answer to. But so in theory, right, you're supposed to be maximizing all your stories. So you're trying to get them up to their highest level. Mm-hmm. The only way you can do that, though, I think, is if they're active so, in other words, they have to be the three stories that are listed, not one of the, like... Yeah, you have to go and yeah. change them in your inventory. But the problem is, oh. if you're telling stories to people, you get more bang for your buck from the ones that are already opened up. Mm-hmm. And so, there's a kind of dilemma. Like, do you do you put all your open eyes in your kind of set of stories to tell? Because then you're going to always be getting the maximum value. But then you're never going to develop any of this, those other stories, which you're going to need. Anyway, it's it's... I'm not explaining it as well, probably. You guys are nodding your heads because you, you did it. But um, but it was a really interesting sort of, you said Uber, like like a kind of min-max problem. And yes. I was trying to sort out, like, what do I want to do here? So I, I sort of made it like a soft goal of playing the game to try and, like, have as many of the stories retold as I could. So, like so max I always picked the ones that had that were that needed to be told the most, right? Uh, okay. Always. So they were always the smallest, always. Eye, the closed yeah. eye, the closed eye yeah. ones. Always. So um. I would go into my inventory, and so the way I generally played the game was for each category, I would try and pick one that was sad, one that was happy, one that was excited, like three different types yeah. in each category. Uh-oh. And so, because every time you talk to them, 
You yeah. can't only tell them one per category. But here's the dilemma. Sorry, you're about to finish. No, you're fine. Go. That was okay. it. So, <laughs> so this, and this is a classic game narrative problem. So when I was in new stories that gave me a choice, I often had to choose between what was mechanically a good choice mm-hmm. or what I actually wanted to do. And, and I guess I was a little sad that this game, which is so immersed in bringing narrative and mechanics together well, wait a that it, it presented me with that dilemma. What, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 what do you mean by mechanically a good choice? Okay, so, so... Like, you talked about how there were only two lover's cards. Yeah. There's sometimes you okay. might get to make a choice that makes this a lover's category right, or okay. something else. Yeah. So you would choose, you know, the yeah. one that you need. So I was on the lookout for love choices. Okay, The sure. problem is... And I tried to keep track of the ones I had the least stories in because I'm like, man, I'm going to need this, mm-hmm. particularly because story categories get eliminated with a with a teller. Like if you're telling a story and you tell one of your three, you lose that category, mm-hmm. which again felt a little arbitrary. Um, but you can have these choices where you're well, like, it's okay, because that's what the stories that they tell you in return is based on the category. Oh. So once they, because that, that way they don't tell you the same thing again. And that part's not necessarily. Okay, yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought they yeah. were just being eliminated because I had used them. Yeah, like the, the actual story. Like, like a, if you leave and come back, the actual story you told them, you cannot tell them again. No, but the whole, but category, the whole category goes away. It's because that that that's what they tell you in return is basically. Uh, so if you tell so them you something, trade, you trade. You I see. If you okay. tell them something in the joy category, you get a joy back. You get a joy story from them. Nice. I did not. Realize that. So all your men maxing was <laughs> for naught. But, but that's true. That's an interesting note that a lot of those mechanics, I had to sort of intuit yeah. them after playing it yeah. for a little while. And things like and, and things like figuring out what tone the, the stories were. That I didn't mind too much because yeah. the trial and error of it, I sort of enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. me too. It also feels realistic, right? Yeah. Like not every story yeah. is going to land the way you want it to. So yeah. I, I like that a lot. But I was just struck by how, I mean, this is, again, I, I think of this as almost an archetypal problem for games. Mm-hmm. Is that, and, and you know, there's tons of articles even about The Witcher and other things about, you know, here's what our narrative's doing. The only way to solve this narrative is to kill those orcs, right? right. No matter what the narrative is, you got to kill the orcs. Or go collect this thing for me because that's how. And it was just striking that in a game that's so immersed in it, it still eventually comes around to that same problem, of which collecting is, and how am I going ch- yeah, to choose the love category because I need one more story there so I can do better at, at getting advancing these other stories? Or am I going to choose to run into the barn because that's what I kind of want to do? So what um, would happen if you just chose the ones? It, it doesn't wreck the game. It doesn't wreck it. It just makes it harder. But because there, it's sort of imbalanced, I felt like. Because I feel like overall there's a lot more stories that show up in certain uh, categories yeah. than mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. So when those others, the, the more rare ones show up, like you feel you like want you them. want them. Yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's like even like if you're consciously like, I don't care. I just want to do what I want to do. You're, there's still like there's that. There's a penalty for that. That penalty. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. I feel, I, yeah, I kind of see that. I feel like this might be reaching, but there's something that's sort of poetic about like, uh, there's like what you want to do, and there's what makes a good story. And what, <laughs> what, I'm what sorry, Robbie said six months ago. No, <laughs> this is what he said about. Um, this is what you said about Nantucket. Yeah. It's yeah. coming right back. There we go, full circle. But yeah, just like what you want to do, or what you would want to do, is like an individual in this situation, and like what. Uh, the better choices. Well, what, you know, the the motivation for that better choice is uh, a game mechanic, but yeah. I don't know. It's also, sort of. If sort you want to nice. go a little bit further in the narrative, too, remember that your goal as a character in this game is to collect the stories from these people. Yeah. So, would you do something 
that would potentially have a more interesting result that you could talk, tell about later. Yeah. Like, and so, that definitely sifted through what you're describing. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that feeling sifted Th- through. There were. Well, go ahead, Robbie. Well, like the wolf basically sets up a series of unnecessary obstacles for you to <laughs> like. The wolf creates a game for you. Yeah. Like, there's no wrong yes. way to go about. It. Like, you are stripped of your flesh and bone or yeah. flesh and skin yeah. and told to go about yeah. collecting stories like yeah. that doesn't mean anything like you can yeah. you can min max or do whatever you want in the game because it's no you guys are totally arbitrary. right yeah. and the, the metaphor and I know Brad was about to say something but but yeah the, the, the opening metaphor setup is a game of Texas Hold'em or yeah. I think it might be or, draw poker yeah five card draw but um, but yeah, and he, where, cheats. He, he cheats exactly <laughs> and so that's a great metaphor to set up the whole rest of it right which is that you know, sorry. Um, although in a way, like it, it invites some mechanical possibilities. And, and part of this is just us, again, as designers thinking about right. it, sort of there's some p- really interesting possibilities for like cheating the devil, for instance. Right. So so having mechanical stretches that that didn't appear. And, and again, I'm, I'm asking more than than he was able to do. But but it does beg some mm-hmm. interesting questions about possible mechanical changes that would be interesting. And questions that are arising because he took the chance and made yeah, this made something quote unquote, really I'm doing air quotes, yeah. failed game. Yeah. <laughs> something <laughs> exquisite. Yeah. But what were you going to say? Sorry, I I've totally you. forgotten, Sorry. and that's completely okay. So, the title of the game is Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. I knew you were about to go there. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you were going to go here or not. Uh. So... What does that mean? Because remember how the how the the wolf is like. We're all looking for it, yeah. right? So this is actually really interesting. So if you look at the Steam achievements of the game, uh-huh. there's one achievement that zero point zero percent of players have, and it is found the place where the water tastes like wine. Is the oh, achievement fascinating? So because of that. It. I was like, I'm gonna be the one to find it. Like, <laughs> like, that was my Olivia. first. That was my right. knee jerk yeah. response. And I started playing the game, and I was playing it. I was like, Yeah, I'll find it. I'm sure it'll be fine. And I got probably, I don't know, nine hours in, and then I was like, You know, <laughs> I'm probably not gonna find it. <laughs> and I actually that moment where I realized that when I when I started out, I was like, I'm gonna go find this. I'm gonna just comb the nation and find it as like you know, yeah, sure, stories, whatever. Yeah. But that's what I I want, right? And then I had that realization that it doesn't exist because yeah. it doesn't. It's an impossible achievement to get in the yeah. game. I just like that's another really like tiny narrative kernel yeah. that I love. But it's also so, a, a comment on the quintessence of storytelling, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that the very thing that stories, and we've talked about atheism on this podcast before, the very thing that stories <laughs> do, especially if you're sort of not always sure about God, is that they provide you with hope and they provide you with something to strive for that is bigger than, I mean, so so for me, that's a powerful element of it as well. And I know yeah. I interrupted you, but no, again, that's exactly. No, go ahead. So I'm glad. <laughs> sorry, buddy. I'm, yeah. gonna, right. I'm just, I'm just so sitting sorry. here nodding because I'm, you're hitting all of the points that, that are exactly how I feel. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought it up because I wanted to ask if that exists. And I'm glad that it doesn't exist in the game because uh, a big part of the game in my life philosophy in general is that, uh, <laughs> you know, it, the game very much seems more like the point of stories is to like tell them it's not mm-hmm. it's not to get to the end yeah. of the story no. it's like telling them is what's important and then how that story changes yeah. and stuff and so yeah the wolf talks about 
where the water tastes like wine, but the goal is not actually to find it. It's to try to try and get it. And there's also a huge nod to sort of, um, you know, folk songs and hobo culture. And mm-hmm. I mean, so if you think about like Big Mountain. Rock Candy Mountain, yeah. right, exactly, yeah. where the railroad bulls are blind and, yeah. The, yeah. you know, your socks. I can't even remember all the fun things that happen right. on the Big Rock Candy Mountain. But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That kind of notion of a place that that is and and the number of folk song references is crazy yeah um what's and, great and is there's wonderful. it draws a really strong parallel to grateful dead songs because they drew so many a they yeah. played so many folk songs straight up but then they also made huge draws so like friend of the devil yeah. and i mean there's a so there's a lot of that kind of parallel weave going on um with the old so anyway that was a long way of saying Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. We're getting to the end of our hour. We might have gone a little bit over. Um, let's do sort of a, a post mortem because that's a that's something everybody. Is that talks what we're going to call it now? Yeah, the post mortem of the post mortem. <laughs> the por- po- podcast. The exquisite corpse. <laughs> um, the last chance, Tanner. Uh, what what uh, what's your takeaway? What you, what you feel? Yeah, no, I, I love playing uh, where the water tastes like wine. Um, I thought it was a, a great game despite some some mechanical flaws. Uh, I agree with Robbie. The the sort of exploration of of narrative mechanics. Uh, I think they did it really well, and I I do agree that I think it'll be a big inspiration for a lot of developers moving forward. Mm-hmm. Olivia. So I um, I sort of pressured Brad into picking this game, I feel like. <laughs> you didn't have to pressure me too hard because <laughs> even before you mentioned it, one of the first time I saw it was like, yes. Yeah, so he game. mentioned yeah. that he might pick it, and I was like, you should pick it. Because I've been really chomping at the bit to play this game since I first saw it announced a while ago. And, and I had such high expectations for it that I was really prepared to be let down. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> but I totally wasn't. Uh, there was so much in it that it just felt like, it just made me feel feelings, you know? Yeah. And it was like, even like, <laughs> b- yeah, man. Um, you were alive. <laughs> just for a few hours. No, but even though like, I, I mean, as a game developer and as someone that's played a lot of games, all of the little UX things were really, really obvious from really, really early in the game. Mm. But I totally didn't care. I got so immersed in it and I like couldn't put it down um, and it did so much innovative stuff that I'm really glad I played it. We're, we're all sitting here nodding as she's talking. We all, I think, agree. Robbie, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm glad that the game exists um, It I'm and I'm glad that I was able to put aside my audiobook snobbery and just enjoy <laughs> it for what it was. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm what I'm really excited is to see the, the ripple effect the game me too yeah Yeah. nice um yeah and and i feel the same way i guess the the best thing i can say is that even though i could feel it melting the inside of my laptop (laughs) i kept and this is unusual for me because i'm i get i have to really get hooked to kind of but i would find myself like in between writing emails i would just pop it in for 20 minutes and i'd be like that's right there's this game. And so it actually hooked me despite, and that's, again, that's unusual for me. If a game is grinding my machine to a halt, I'm usually like, man, this is not going to happen. But I was like, okay, well, if I play for only a little while, <laughs> I can then cool it down and then work. And so so I, I guess the best thing I can say is that the, the innovation and the narrative beauty mm-hmm. just kept 
hooking me, you know, it, it, dragging me back out of the river. It felt to me the way when you're reading a really good, compelling novel. Um, I mean, a lot of games have that sense of I'm playing this now. I'm going to binge play this and play the hell out of it. This was a little bit different. This was like even more than just a novel that you can't put down. This is a like a novel that when you do put it down, you're still thinking about the characters that you're inhabiting uh, or it's inhabiting you, yeah. I think, in a lot of ways. And I, I kudos to you guys. I, I really hope that uh, any and all of you guys from the uh, from the dev team uh, give this a listen. And you guys, it, it, this is one of the best games that I think that we played and reviewed mm-hmm. out of out of six. This is seventh so far. Fifth, seventh. I don't know <laughs> numbers. Sixth. This is our sixth game. Yes. Um, and yeah, it is. It is definitely one of my most I've, that I've been most impressed by, and 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 most endeared by. Nice. Endeared two. Endeared two. Endeared two. Yeah. Enamored with all of that. So uh, we're gonna wrap up. You want me to that. talk about next week? I will, but uh, I want to say that. Um, yeah, you go ahead. Tell okay. us. Tell us about what's next. So coming up next month is what remains of Edith Finch, which is also a narrative game, uh, more in the spirit of Gone Home, a kind of absent absent family discovery kind of thing um i've played some of it already and i spoiler alert I, cheater it is a game that does some really weird and wonderful things with mechanics awesome. to integrate them with narrative so i'm excited for it but yes we'll be playing where uh what remains of edith finch excellent um so that will be for the month of august is that correct? Yes. That is correct. So uh, technically this is tomorrow. Well, oh, no, today. <laughs> today is August, right? Today, August 1st. Okay. Um, yeah. So as always, you guys, uh, play What Remains of Edith Finch throughout the month of August with the idea of coming back. You're going to be playing it kind of with us throughout the month and come back and leave us your comments. We want to hear from you either on Facebook or on uh uh, LittleRockGames.com um, I have to say that our theme music is um, Plain Loafer by Kevin McLeod um, he's got lots of stuff you can look up his name uh, so with that thank you guys for joining us this month and we will see you next month on the Little Rock Games Game of the Month Club bye bye bye, bye. bye.